right up here. Um, so, you know, we live and die by our phone. Y'all know that. So when you get a phone somewhere and you call and uh, you can't answer it, it creates problems for everybody else. So make sure you get your phone. Die. <laughs> you know that phrase. Have you heard that phrase before? Okay. I'm glad. Chris is good to see you. I was I was thinking about you the other day as I drove 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 down eighty two. Uh, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We, you know, we started with Acts before we were told to go home. And and, and, um, and then we went home, and I, I did a couple of chapters in Acts uh, on Sunday nights, and then I stopped. Uh, but Acts chapter 1, well, you don't need to turn there, but Acts chapter 1 is just. Uh, the ascension of Christ, and then, and then uh, the challenge, the challenge by Christ to, to, that they would be witnesses. The ascension of Christ, and then, and then the disciples of the apostles chose Matthias uh, to join with them. And then, and then Acts chapter two is, is the day of Pentecost. Um, we just had the day of Pentecost a, few, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of Sundays ago. It was celebrated. Uh, Peter's first sermon, and 3,000 people came to know Christ, and he, he explains uh, what the church is going to be like in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and following. Um, and, and, um, and so if, if you have not listened to that part of the Sunday night message, I would really encourage you to do so. It's on our YouTube page. Um, Really focusing in on prayer and the importance of prayer for the church. Acts chapter 3 is the first miracle of the book of Acts. And, and Peter and John, they walk past the, the guy that is at the uh, beautiful gate and uh, going into the temple. And, and he's asking for money. And Peter says, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to thee. And, and tells him to get up and walk. And, um, and, and then that leads to uh, Peter's second sermon. And, uh, and his sermon, uh, again, is, is focusing on the resurrection of Christ and that the fact that we need to repent um, and, and, and what he did, uh, what happened with this, this man that, that was crippled from birth uh, was all through the power of the resurrection. And that catches us up. That was the synopsis of chapters 1, 2, and 3. Um, very quick synopsis. But chapter 4 is a continuation of chapter 3. So let's look. Chapter 4, um, verse 1. And as they, they being Peter and John, um, Peter just preached his message. Uh, Peter and John have, have collected a, a gathering because of Peter's preaching. And after the message, the uh, same thing took place on the day of Pentecost. They preached and, and people began to share with one another. 
what, what did they hear, and so forth. And it's important for us to be able to, you know, I know uh, whenever we have a sermon on Sunday morning, we ought to break up afterwards and discuss it. Uh, we don't do that, but but Peter and John did. Um, you know, and, and in the book of Nehemiah, whenever ne uh, Ezra preached in the book of Nehemiah, there were people that stood around and, and encouraged and taught what Ezra was saying and to fill in the back gap. So um, this is what's taking place. Peter and John are continuing to talk to the people. And the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching, verse 2, they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, it's important that we understand the Sadducees. The Pharisees were the legalistic rule keepers. Uh, they believed in, in miracles. They believed in, in uh, heaven. They believed in, in the angels and the afterlife and so forth. The Sadducees were the wealthy liberal people. Uh, they didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe in the resurrection to come. Uh, they didn't believe in the, the, the millennial kingdom. They believed that everything that was going to happen was happening right then and that was going to be it. It, it, it comes and it goes. And there's nothing after it. And that's why they're sad, you see. <laughs> You've never heard that one. That's, that's an old, old, old um, Baptist joke. So, um, I've, I've been in Baptist church since I was born. So, yeah. So, anyway, see, I, I can tell a joke once in a while. Uh, not on. But whenever they're here in the resurrection, they don't believe in that. And they're seeing people follow this teaching. And so in that, they get angry. And they get the temple guard, the captain of the temple guard, who has authority to arrest someone. And so this is the first time that someone is arrested for preaching. I read this uh, as I was studying for the sermon this morning. John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, he, he was a preacher in England. And he was arrested because he didn't have a license to preach. And Pilgrim's Progress was written in jail. Um, and, and so, you know, since Peter and John were arrested for preaching, it, it's gone on. And, and it's, it continues to happen even today. Um, now they laid hands on them and this isn't a good laying on hands on them and they put them in jail until the next day for it is already evening verse 4 but many of those who had heard the message believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000 now realize that, that Luke is just given the numbers of the men not the women so are the children that follow 
And so we don't know how many people are actually involved in this this this, this church as it is erupting in the city of Jerusalem. They arrest him. They put him in jail for the next day because it's evening time. It's it's uh, it's close to six o'clock. They start at six. As soon as the evening prayers are done, uh, they they're praying around four to five, and after that, everybody goes home because you have to be inside after at, after six. And and that was the Jewish Jewish clock. They begin at six. Uh, PM and ends the next day at 6 p.m. They do evening and day, night and day. Just like in the book of Genesis, uh, the Bible says evening and morning and day. So, so they kept that going, and, and it's evening time, it's right after the evening prayer. And, and so they put them in jail because they can't do anything with them in the nighttime. With that being said, that's the reason why part of all of the trial that Jesus went through was illegal. It was at night. It was before the morning watch. And everything in the trial of Jesus was illegal because of the Jewish law that they could not try anybody in the evening time. Just more information. So, verse 5. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And look at the people that joined with them. Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander. Now, this is the Apostle John. This is another John that's part of the high priestly line. Alexander and all who were of high priestly descent. Now, Annas and Caiaphas were part of the trials that Jesus went through. And so this just continues to show the, the, the stain that the, the Jewish church had against Jesus. Against the apostles. Against what they called a movement. And they brought their religious leaders. Not just the Sadducees. Not just the temple guard. But now you have the high priest and all of his line are there. And they placed him in the center and they began to inquire by what power or in what name have you done this? Now, what he's talking about there is not the teaching itself, but he's going all the way back to the, to the miracle. In what name did you heal this man? Now, they've seen healings before. In the Old Testament, there's healings. Prophets healed people. So it wasn't that he was healed, it was who did you who did this healing? If they would have said in Jehovah's name, it would have been okay. Because it was it was he's he's Jehovah Rapha. He is the healer. My Lord or my God the healer. Okay? And so they're asking. What name have you done this? What name did you perform this miracle with? Okay, it's not the teaching now, it's the miracle. You know, whenever God does something special, people want to know what's going on. And a lot of times, whenever they, they want to attribute it to personalities, churches, movements, those kind of things, and not in 
God doing it, the Holy Spirit doing it in Jesus' name. And if, if they can attribute it to something other than God, then they, they discount it and say, oh, okay. But because of who God is, or Jesus is through God, and, and they're the same, I know that, as, as, as whenever it's attributed to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit movement and those kind of things, then they get offended because there's other things that they believe in. You know, Jesus is, Jesus is um, um, intolerant. Okay? Jesus is not inclusive. And yet Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross for all. You know, for God so loved the world that whosoever would. It's not, he's not um, non-inclusive. He's inclusive on his terms. Alright? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So they're asking, and, and so verse 8, Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, now, remember in John chapter 14 that Jesus told the apostles, the disciples, don't worry what you want to say because the Holy Spirit's going to tell you what you need to say whenever it comes time to give an account. And that's what's happening. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and says to them, rulers, elders of the people, They're the people of the, the Jewish nation, the religious people. If we're on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man was made whole, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. Then he quotes Psalm 118, verse 22. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, but there is no other name, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now, he lets it known, be known, first of all, that the power of Jesus Christ, this man was healed. The name of Jesus, this man was healed. But look at what he says. Whom you crucified. Now, he said, he has said that in, in the sermon that he preached in uh, Acts chapter 2, sermon that he preached in Acts chapter 3, he Let's everybody know that the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, are the ones that motivated the crucifixion of Christ. Now, but really, what motivated the crucifixion of Christ? God's love for us that we needed a sacrifice that was going to be perfect. It was God's plan all along. Okay? It didn't just happen because the Religious leaders got mad and put him up for crucifixion. It happened because it was God's plan. But God used these ungodly leaders to carry out the plan. Okay? 
So in that, we need to realize that we're just as guilty of the crucifixion of Christ as the Jewish leaders. Our sinfulness is just as guilty. All right? We can't read this and say, ah, it was them. Or it was the Roman soldiers. Folks, we, we sin. And we needed to say Because of that, Jesus died on the cross. Now, God used the religious leaders of the day to make sure that it happened. And that's, that, that's, that's what Paul, uh, Peter is saying here, is that you're the one that carried out God's claim. Alright? Now, if you're blamed for something, whether you agree with it or not, you're blamed for it. What's your response? <laughs> I didn't do it. Defensive. Can you imagine the defensiveness of these people at this moment? Look at their response. And, and, well, again, Peter quotes uh, Psalm 118 that, that the cornerstone is going to be rejected and yet he's going to be the chief cornerstone. Everything is built on Jesus from this moment on. And then he says, our salvation comes from Jesus. Now, Verse 13, look at their response. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as being with Jesus. Now, first of all, Peter, whenever it says they were uneducated people, it means that they were not educated in their system. They were not educated. They did not become a disciple of one of the Pharisees or one of the Sadducees. They were not in, in their system. If, if whenever you read, I, now I, I can't read Greek anymore. Uh, I, I, I started reading all the commentaries that told me about what the Greek was saying and I quit studying Greek. But in college, in seminary, I had to take three. That took four years of and, um, and And really, I can't read it all now. But um, 1 Peter is written in such a way that that it, it sounds like the grammar is, is pristine. Very educated man wrote the word in the book of 1 Peter. Now, 2 Peter, not so much. And so, so they they tried. One of the arguments is that Peter didn't write one of them because an educated, uneducated man couldn't write with such good grammar. And and yet, it's not saying he he, he wasn't educated. Peter was a business owner. He had multiple ships in his in his fishing fleet. All right. And and so and he had people that worked for him. Um and so he was he was educated, then he was also educated by Jesus. Uh, he followed him for three years. And and Jesus grew up in the in the synagogue and, and did the things that he was supposed to do and he continued on that education. Um that as far as we can tell. Okay. Because from 12 to 30 skipped in Jesus' life. But if, if 
he was an Orthodox Jew, he would have gone through all the steps um, that he needed to take. And so whenever since they were uneducated and untrained, he's talking about by the Pharisees or by the religious establishment. They were amazed at their confidence. Now, whenever we have spent time with God, we get up in the morning, we spend time with God, we study His Word, we, we understand it. We're more likely to have confidence in who we are in Christ. And Peter had confidence to stand up against the leaders and give an account for who he was in Christ. And they said that he had to be with someone and they, they, they saw that he had been with Jesus. And then they saw, the verse 14, And seeing the man who had been healed standing with him, they had nothing to say in reply. How can you argue with the guy who's been crippled from birth, standing there, walking? Actually, earlier in chapter 3, he was jumping and, and hollering and dancing in the temple. Can you imagine if you experienced a, a healing, a miraculous healing in your life? And many of us have at different points and different ways. But you, you, your reaction to that, your response to that is one of jubilee. You, you want to scream and holler. You want to, you want to give God glory for it. And if you've never used your legs and all of a sudden you can use your legs, You've never jumped one time in your entire life. And all of a sudden your legs are strong enough for you to jump? You think you'd be jumping around like a bunny rabbit? You know? You haven't danced? And you're, you're, you know, now I don't dance, but, you know, so you're not going to see me dancing anywhere. Um, but, um, yeah, there you go. Go ahead. Rock it out, girl. But your religion includes dancing and worship? Don't you think you're going to do that? And these leaders are watching that, have seen that. And how can they argue with what they've seen? That's why our testimony is so important. Every one of us needs to make sure that we understand our own testimony and willing to share our testimony. People that have learned how to argue scripture, a lot of religions, false doctrine, teaches people how to argue scripture with Baptists. There's a class that, that the late uh, the missionaries of, of the uh, Church of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, they have to go to a class. It's an apologetic class that teaches them how to use verbiage, the right words, to talk to a Baptist. And they'll argue with you, and if you listen to them long enough, 
they almost sound right. Okay? People have learned how to argue Scripture. But you know what they cannot argue with? What God has done in your life. They cannot argue with your testimony. And therefore, we need to, it's not that we need to know Scripture. We need to be able to answer their, their objections. We need to know Scripture. But we also need to know what God has done in our life. And it can't be what He did in my life 51 years ago. It's not just that. It's the walking with me or me walking with him every day. It's it's the being able to walk into a situation that is so tense, tense because of all the circumstances and being able to share with them who God is in real life. Because of who he's real he's real. And these leaders listen to them, watch that, saw that. And there's nothing they could argue with. It was a show and tell testimony. I did this in the name of Jesus, and this is what I did. So this is what they did. Verse 15, their response to that. When they ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another. So they sent him back to the jail cell. What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them and is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. There are five, at least 5,000 men that were believers in Christ at this point in Jerusalem. They had all seen. They were chained, they were being chained as we're speaking. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. So they brought him back. They summoned him back. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now, you would think that would be kind of intimidating to someone that wasn't trained, uneducated, Here's these high-level people in front of them in their robes and their hats and their phylacteries as big as their foreheads and, and, and standing up there and with all the command of the temple guard and the Roman, the Roman soldiers or the Roman guard behind the temple guard. All of that seems like it'd be pretty intimidating, right? I would, I would think so. But look at what he says. Peter and John together answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. But we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. They told him, they told him, look, you you have a you have a relationship with God. You figure out if it's right for me to do this or not. But as far as me, or as far as us, we got to do it. You know, 
No, that's true today. Whether it's right or not, we're going to have church. Whether it's right or not, I'm going, I'm going to spread the gospel on, the, on Facebook as much as I can. Someone's trying to shut down, uh, put the government on the Facebook to see what they're printing. I don't know if y'all saw that article today or yesterday or not, but, but one of the richest men in the world is trying to shut down Facebook. Put it all under government according to what can be said or can't be whether you believe it's right or not, we're going to do it. Okay? Let them figure that out. But then this is what he said. We can't stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. What we've experienced, folks. That's why it's so important that we have that relationship with God every day. We spend that time with the Lord. Because we, we're seeing Him more. And it's important for us to be able to, to communicate what we've seen or heard. Now look, they, they threatened them further. Then they sent them finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people because they were all glorified God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And so they, they, they tell them, if you don't stop, we're, we're going to do something. Whenever we're, we're, our kids are growing up, we could make threats, but if you don't stop doing that, I, I, you're going to be in trouble. If you don't stop doing that, you're going to be in trouble. And you keep warning and keep warning and keep warning. You don't follow up. They're just going to keep doing it. These people could not do anything to Peter and John because of the fear of the mob of the believers. Because everybody saw what happened. Why would a healing of someone cause someone to get trouble? Could you imagine everybody turning against the church at that moment if they shut that down? And so they're threatening the people, or threatening Peter and John because they couldn't do anything else because the people saw the miracle. And then the miracle happened to a man that was 40 years old. It wasn't a child, it wasn't, he didn't just get sick yesterday and, and all of a sudden he's well. Old Roberts made a statement several years ago, and I quote, 95% of the people that I have healed in my ministry would have been healed anyway. What she's saying is that the healing did not, was not necessarily spiritual healing or miraculous healing that they were already being healed medically. He said that several, several years ago. So, you know, but whenever God really heals someone, everybody knows it. And I believe you still can. All right? I told you, I made the statement last Sunday morning. God's not in the Southern Baptist box. 
it doesn't fit the box. God, God sits on his throne in heaven and is over all of the universe and, and whatever he chooses to do. We look for the sign of what he is doing, not what man makes up. Please forgive me But God is able and He still does. And whenever we have that, whenever we experience that, we need to be able to say, this is what I've seen and heard. This is what I've learned. This is who God is for me. And nobody can argue with that. One more stop. We'll pick up the verse 23 next week. And, um, but here's, so here's, what do we take from this? What we take from this is that, that our relationship with God needs to be personal, not based on church, but our personal relationship with God. Church is included in that. Our testimony cannot be argued. Oh, they can make comments about our testimony, but they can't argue with what God's done. When we are with God, whenever we're walking with God, He gives us, He fills our mouth, the Holy Spirit will fill our mouth with the words that we need to speak at the time. And we don't need to let people intimidate us or murder them. We just speak what God's done on our heart. We do, we tell what we've seen and heard. If it's right in someone else's mind, they have to figure that out. But we have to be obedient to God. Peter and John, first several verses, first several chapters, focus on Peter's ministry and John's ministry. Then we'll move here in a little while, several chapters later. All right, let's pray together. Thank y'all for coming. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this, this story. And not just a story, it's, it's, it's a factual event. And we thank you for that. The fact that you are still a human God. And we pray, Father, that you would, you would use our lives to show who you are. And people would recognize that we have been with Jesus day as we live our lives in all that we do. Father, thank you. Again, we pray that, that you would use First Baptist Church in all the ministries that we do. That people would know that no other name but Jesus would bring them to salvation. And we humbly Commit our lives to you day in day out. In Jesus' name. Alright. Uh, if you haven't seen Carolyn, uh, Aiden possibly will be coming home tomorrow. Right? That has a change. That's a uh, So, be in prayer that she continues to heal and is able to come home tomorrow. Okay?
Carol. Carol. Sherry. Let's, uh, let's pray for these two people. Lee, would you lead us in that prayer, please, sir?